not last, it's not surpassed. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast, not outclassed. Wonders on mass. Get it on my to run up to the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. There's the ins, there's the outs. There's the shake it, the shake it all about. There's the old and the new. The wondrous legends on interview. First, not last, it's not surpassed. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast, not outclassed. Wonders on mass. The Bob Podcast. My name's Mark Isles, and I'm the chief football writer of the Bolton News. This is the show that's going to throw you higher than Yon Daddy Badvarsen's shirt on Tuesday nights. <laughs> and it's also the show that will reveal this about Ian Everett. Bad boozers. I used to play that on C-Facts, man, C-Facts. You can get the whole press conference that he was talking in there by becoming a Bolton News subscriber. That's £2 for your first two months. Go to theboltonnews.co.uk backslash subscribe. Check out what the fuss is about. Now, let me bring in a right-hand man, a Peter Atherton of this podcast. Of course, it's Mr Henry Hewitt. Henry, have you, uh, have you settled down yet, mate? I've not, no, I, um, yeah, it was, what a few days, what a change since uh, last week's pod. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't, I didn't get a ticket for Afrington, so I, I've managed to, uh, I managed to watch it. Don't ask me how, but I managed to watch it uh, live. We ask so no questions a, on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was exciting. And then Burton, I was working, but I managed, I, now listen, I don't want to say it's all down to me, but I managed to catch the last 10 minutes uh and uh yeah i was in uh i was in a studio just finished a podcast record the people who were recording it had gone i was on my own and uh yeah i'm glad i was in a soundproof studio put it that way when uh, bod barton scored well i could have used one of those myself i've just been telling you off off air that i got dragged into bbc radio manchester's commentary very very late on so i'm trying to file a, a match report and everything else that you have to do um for a midweek game right on the whistle you don't get time afterwards to to Compose your thoughts. It's right on the whistle that the story goes, and of course we were aiming for a, a pretty dull nil-nil for most of the most of the game, mm. most of the Burton game, and then all of a sudden they scored. So of course you know the report becomes darker, and you know it, it becomes a little bit more of a, a, a bit of a crisis as as us Bolt Wanderers types tend to do. Then of course the comeback comes on, and 98th minute, Yon Daddy Bob Varson pops up with a winner. You might have heard the little clip that, that Jack and the BBC put out of his commentary, and you can hear in the background some absolute maniac screaming his head off. It's half, it's half celebration, it's half utter despair at the fact that I've got a huge rewrite to do in a matter of seconds, and also I've got to explain the goal to everybody who's listening on, to, on the radio as well, uh, because uh, well, let's face it, Jack was never going to do it. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was fun and games, Henry. It's fun and games. It's rock and roll this job sometimes. It is, yeah, and um, it's, it's what we've been used to with Bolton Wanderers. This uh, Ian Everett's Bolton Wanderers been used to late goals and 
drama and it reminded me a lot of the Markham game last year at home. Yeah. I know we didn't win that one, but Bod Varson scored a similar goal and it's a, it's a good habit to have, uh, especially how bad we are at corners, to then uh, for someone to just uh, find some space in the 98th minute to do that. Yes, it was a point made by Ian Everts actually at his press conference when we sat down and chatted to him on Wednesday evening that uh, considering we're so bad at corners, we've actually managed to win two games now with corners. So there we go. That's another stat put to bed. But, I mean, two amazing games. I will t- the shout out, and you as a fan, Henry, you must you must appreciate this. Um, shout out to Marcus and to uh, the social media team at Wanderers because those goals of the winning, the, the videos of the winning goals, rather, uh, from uh, behind the goal where they they run off in the completely the opposite direction, which is probably ignoring the instructions that he gave them prior to the game, by the way. Uh, but he has to kind of like run behind the goal and find the kind of pylon on, on each occasion. It was fantastic viewing. And I think a lot of the football fraternity appreciates it. Does it get you, does it get the old uh, hairs standing up on the back of the net for you, Henry? It does, yeah. And it, it's, it's something that you actually then look forward to seeing. I know people have been tweeting, Mark, is going like, when is it out? When's the inside match day out? And uh, what was nice, I've noticed on Sunday when he was releasing uh, the goal clips, uh, like of Apple Lions goal, um, other, other sort of football Twitter accounts were picking it up and going, how great is this? And we've said before on the podcast, mm. it's very cinematic and brilliant. And uh, yeah, I'm glad... Um, others have, have picked up uh, whatever new cameras they've got or new editing uh, that he does, compared, you know, to make it more cinematic. But yeah, it looks great, and it, it's yeah, it just it really gets um, you know, like I said, I weren't there on Saturday, but to see uh, the, the one on Saturday with all the fans and and the limbs behind the goal, and then on uh, on Tuesday, yeah, when he ran over and got it at the end, and, and you just see what was nice, you see. You see little things that you don't perhaps see when you're watching it mm. or you're at the match. Like you see the emotion on the players' faces. You can I notice as well, you can tell Kieran Lee is the elder statesman because when Bod Varson <laughs> threw his shirt off, he yes. picks it up for him. Um, <laughs> the laundry service, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh no, it was brilliant. And uh yeah, it's it's been a brilliant few days. But I I tell you what, and we'll talk about the Oxford game in a bit, but as much as it's, it would be great to get another thing like that, I think I'd be happy for a 2-0, to be honest, on uh, on Saturday. I Yeah, I'm getting chest pains after a week of this. I'm not too sure my, <laughs> I'm not too sure my blood pressure would uh, do it. I blame Jan Dalibad-Vars, and I did actually tell him if he could just score the goals earlier, it would help my life a lot easier. He's agreed to try that in the future. Great goal in the end. Really, really pleased for him as well, because... I don't know whether you picked it up on iFollow on on, uh, Accrington. So when he got substituted in the second half, he looked crestfallen. He really did look gutted. He he knew he'd had uh, a pretty average game, probably should have scored at least once. Bolton were were just banging the head against a brick wall at that stage. And and he really did look as if he'd taken it to heart. But then you kind of mirrored that with the just absolute sheer delirium of when he hit the back of the net, 98 minute against uh, Burton. I mean, just what a job. What a job footballer must be. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, you do, you just have those, uh, you know, it's, it's the highs and the lows, isn't it? And they always say, and I think everyone says on these, these podcasts, you know, that speak to former players and they say that it's like, you know, you you have uh, this career for whatever twenty years, and you 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 go from being the best player in the world to the worst, to the best to being part of the worst team in the world, to getting promoted, all these highs and lows, and 
And even it's just shown there within four days, he's, I, I don't want to say he's gone from zero to hero, because I don't think Bud Varson no, will no. ever be zero. But uh, but yeah, he has. He was definitely the hero the other night. And, and happy for Bakayoko as well to get yeah. his goal. I noticed actually on, on Marx's video for the Burton game that Baka kind of turned around and he was giving it the, the Morecambe kind of stance and he was screaming, screaming behind the goal. Um, I think they had to bleep something. I'm not too sure who, whether it was him or Rico, but some, somebody said a naughty word and uh, I don't blame them because there was a few I fancied saying on Radio Manchester as well, to be honest, at that point in time, but I managed to bite my lip. Um, yeah, yeah, just just absolutely amazing. But uh, let's let's bring it down and try, and try and eliminate some of the drama then because actually what happened in the light of the Accrington game and the Burton game is that there was this kind of second wave of yeah well great I'm glad we've won but shouldn't we be winning this game more comfortably uh, you know a slightly half glass half full type of approach where I think the the performance the results potentially masked over slightly some of the problems with the performance which I can understand but it, it does feel like a bit typical Bolton it does and I mean you've got to this league is a hard league because you know, you're looking at the, the other bigger teams in this league, the likes of, you know, Sheffield Wednesday, Ipswich and, uh, you know, teams like that and Derby. And, and there's no team going out and battering every team. That it, Most teams are actually winning by the odd goal. So I, I think it is harsh. It's harsh to say that we should be doing. And yeah, with the chances we've had like, and the, the play we had against Burton, we should have. We should have won by more and I'm mm. sure the, the manager will accept that but you know at the end of the day just enjoy it and, and we're getting the wins we're getting over the line and that's something that we weren't doing at this stage last year and now we're comfortable in the playoffs um, and as well you've got to think of the it's not like these teams are coming and making it easy for us they're mm. making it very difficult and very frustrating and this is a, a reoccurring thing that's happening every team's coming to our stadium the ball's only in play for like 10 minutes because they, they're messing around with it. Uh, and, may, and it's been very frustrating. So they've got to find ways to win. Mm. And uh, at the moment, they are doing. Well, this is this is a conversation I had on, on Twitter yesterday, actually. And it is interesting because I'm, 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 generally, I'm generally fascinated by uh, the way people look at these games and the way people look at the way Bolton are playing at the moment. And I don't remember, and people can correct me, I don't remember a Bolton team who played in such a definitive style that there was an antithesis to it. So that a Burton or a Barnsley, uh, you know, could come and play in the way they did to try and frustrate an almost, you know, a, a direct opposite. So the, the successful teams that Bolton have had in the past, whether you go back to Phil Parkinson's team, who we know what their strengths were, set pieces, they were more direct. I don't remember any team coming and being able to think, right, well, this is the way we're going to play against you and nullifying that. There was no easy way of, of di directly going opposed to it. The Bolton teams, Colin Todd had a great team, you know, a, a team of, um, of immense quality, but I don't remember them having teams going and just parking the bus against them. And I may, yeah. that, I may be misremembering that because it's quite a long time ago now, of course. Same with Bruce Rioch's team. Even when Big Sam's team was going well, obviously they were the ones that were accused of parking the bus against the big clubs, not anybody else. So is this the first time that Bolton have been regarded in this way as you know a, a, a big dog that you can go and try and frustrate? I think it is, yeah, because like you said, you know, 
well, I, I think under Phil Parkinson, we tended to be the team that would do it to other teams. Yeah. Um, especially in the championship. Then, yeah, we, there were probably stages under Gary Megson where we were doing it and, and Dougie Freeman. But, um, no, I don't remember. It. And I think this is where we've, unfortunately, we've got to get used to and it's part of being a, a better team. And it is a massive compliment. And as we've said, the fact that Peterborough were doing it and Barnsley, these are teams that are in sort of the same sort of tier as us mm. who's trying to get into the playoffs. And they, they're sacrificing what they do. Uh, and it, I mean, as everyone knows, my in-laws are from Barnsley, so I take no pleasure in this. But it has made me laugh the fact that they've uh, and uh, I hope Luke O'Connell's okay. The fact that they've lost the last two games and now we're <laughs> six points above them. But um, yeah, it's um, it's so it's it's a compliment, but it's it's a compliment that I'm, ra- I'm sure we would rather not have because it's so frustrating. Like watching it the other night and Accrington were pulling it and. I've got to say, though, we have said before about Bolton that we don't have that about them. But against Accrington, when we went 3-2 and suddenly Ayerdale was uh, wiping the football with a <laughs> towel and, and all of that, I thought, good. And all the stuff at the last minute, Kachunga sliding in front of Burton's uh, you know, technical yeah. area. I think, good, we need that about us. We need it, that sort of, if they're going to be petty, we can be petty as well, but we'll get the three points as well. And I, I think fair play because... They haven't been able to do that. They haven't got used to it. But we are getting a bit of bit of that bite about us now. Yeah, you do look the other way when it's your own team. Every time that Traff, you know, flopped on the ball and, and wasted <laughs> a couple of seconds getting up again, uh, drew a t- cheer from the away fans. And I'm thinking, well, if that had been the Barnsley keeper the week before, it would have been booze. But uh, that's just football, I suppose. Uh, Accrington had the same sort of drama. I think Accrington had a much, much, much more of a go at Bolton and obviously they could have been 3-0 up. I mean, had Santos not cleared that one off the line, that would have that probably would have been game over. I don't think there was any coming back from that. Um, but then I, I felt that when they, they got back into, well, when Bolton got back into the game, when the own goal went in, Accrington actually stopped doing what they'd been doing and that was kind of pressing Bolton all over the pitch. They were going man for man pretty much all over the pitch. Some for some unknown reason, whether that came from the dugout or whether that just came from mentality, they started to drop off, and then all of a sudden, and I know there was the formation switch as well, but actually, it, the two things combined at roughly the same time, and Dapuafline suddenly had this freedom, and he was suddenly in the game, and and that's you know eventually how the the next two goals came about, and they won the game three two. It's funny how little things just just click, and psychology is so massive in football. We've we've seen that twice this week, haven't we? We have, yeah, and it's it's it is funny that um, I actually think for for Burton the worst thing they could have done is score a goal because it was going to be nil nil and we weren't breaking them down. Accrington got the second goal, then attacked for that uh, chance with Santos, and then it's as, almost as if they were the subs came on. It's almost as if they were like rabbits in a headlights. They couldn't contain this Bolton onslaught. Where if they would have, yeah, you're right. If they would have just played like they were doing. We wouldn't. We would have. It would have been difficult to break down. The fans would have been getting on the players' backs a lot more. Which credit, actually. I mean, I weren't there, so I don't know what it was like at two 0 But when you you saw the the players going in at half time, there were some encouragement rather than last mm. year when it was booze. So credit to the Bolton fans for that. But like, yeah, it's it just seemed like Accrington played into Bolton's hands. But but to be fair to Bolton, the way we were playing, I. It, I think we suddenly just went from zero to fifth gear 
and I don't think they could they could contain it. So you've got to give Bolton credit in that in that sense, I guess. One, the only player I would say at the moment, uh, obviously because uh, Bakayoko and Bodvarsson got on the score sheet against Burton, but Dion Charles in the last couple of games just seems he doesn't seem to be able to do right for doing wrong at the moment. Um, but it's great actually to see, especially at Accrington. You mentioned that there at half time, but I think throughout the game, the Accrington fans were giving him some fearsome sticks. Some of the stuff that was said, I don't think Accrington can be particularly proud of it. Um, but the Bolton fans were intensely protective of Dion, and I think that got him through that game. And I think he does need a little bit of a an arm round his shoulder at the moment because it's it isn't happening for him on the pitch at the moment. The goals aren't going in from open play. Um, but I think there's a maybe the Bolton fans are just that bit more forgiving at the moment. Maybe, but I think Dion, because of his work rate, gets a lot of. Um... You know, I don't see much on social media either about saying to drop Dion Charles. I think people appreciate what he does. Uh, and I think we're all desperate for him to score. Um, whereas there's other players that... I, well, we've discussed it before, haven't we? Haven't we? There's, you, you know, you either you either loved it or you're not. You know, Kachunga gets a bit of stick. Kachunga played very well on Saturday and changed the game. Mm. But um, he's he isn't appreciated as much as Dion Charles. And... At the moment, Charles and Gachunga are kind of in a similar place where they're not scoring goals. So I guess it, it's just, you know, it depends on who you are um, and, and how the fans, you know, feel for you. But I think uh, I think when Dion does score, and he will score, he'll get his, his chance and he'll probably go on a run of scoring goals. But I think there's him and Santos, I think the, the roof will explode when they eventually score. Right. Well, I mean, some people think I work for Twitter. Some people think a podcast is how I actually somehow pay the bills. Uh, but actually, do you know what? I actually write stories in the newspaper. So Henry's dug some of them out for me. Let's go to headlines. News. I have, yeah. Um, and we didn't touch on this. We didn't touch on the Burton's manager. Uh, but now we will, because Ian Everett has been speaking about uh, he's a uh, touchline bust up with the man who uh, believes we should have had two minutes of stoppage time instead of eight, despite the fact that he is seen on camera throwing the ball away when they scored. Um, <laughs> all's well that ends well. Karma is uh, Karma's brilliant, isn't it? And uh, yeah, so what has Ian Everett said? What was said when they were... Because they were talking for quite a while, wasn't they, at the final whistle? Yeah, I think there was certainly a coming together of a couple of bodies. As you mentioned earlier there, Kachunga's celebration when Bod Varson scored the goal, I think he slid on his knees in front of the technical area of Burton and they took exception to that. So it really, I think the last seconds of the game when it restarted was basically the fourth official standing in the middle of a crowd of people because it was uh, getting quite aerated down there. Um, and Ian Everts... You know, he kept a lid on it a little bit. So I don't think he was for for uh, saying too much. But obviously, uh, Dino, I mean, sorry, Dino um, Mamria, uh, he, he said that they were looking forward to the game later in the season. He said there was, a, you know, it, it would be a good game, he said with a smirk. Um, hinting at, and I, I made the point on Twitter, it was a bit like John Beck used to make those kind of threats uh, in, his, in his old Cambridge days where they used to leave the 
the wings, you know, with long grass and they used to put cold water in the showers and put too much sugar in the tea and all those kind of old school tricks that you couldn't get away with nowadays. But it seemed a little bit like that. Um, so it will be interesting. I think the point Ian Everett made, uh, again, with his tongue probably in cheek, was that uh, neither of us can guarantee we're going to be in a job by that point in time, Dino. Um, hmm. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Ian Everett will be in a job by uh, by April, whether or not Dino Mamaria uh, manages to hold on as long as that. Um, it would be a first for a while for him, I would have said. But, um, yeah, it was interesting. It would not have had a good old managerial dust-up for a while, so I was quite happy to see that. I don't know about you. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it was, um, it, it's nice when you come out on the, the, you know, so many times we've seen these start, uh, tricks being played and, and the opposition getting away with it and um, and and then eventually winning or getting a draw. But for us to win was great. And yeah, I mean, the thing is, you, can, you know, we've said before, you can't blame, like, I, I can, you can blame Barnsley and Peterborough and think and expect more from them. But should you expect more from Burton? No, you shouldn't. They've done it whenever we've played them. They're even doing it when they were three 0 up last year at their place. You know, it's what they do. And and they're a small club in this league. You could argue that they're ahead of where they should be um, in the football pyramid. So they are going to do stuff like this, and it's just part of the part of being in League One. You know, we'll eventually get to the Championship, hopefully, and this sort of stuff will die out because teams will be going more for winning. But um so you can't blame them, but you know, I think just I, I just think sometimes with managers, just have a bit of respect for yourself and go, Yeah, actually we were trying to make it difficult. We're we you know, we're second bottom, we we're against a team with a, one of the best home records in the in the league. So we're not gonna come and try and play football. We're gonna try and make it difficult. It almost worked. It didn't uh, and but then for some of the comments afterwards, you do you do wonder what is what match he's been watching. To be honest, <laughs> well, do you think uh, another point that, that Everett made was on time wasting? And I know Arsene Wenger's been banging the drum for the ball has to be in for sixty minutes, and that he's looking at ways of of cutting uh, aspects of the game that take time, i.e., things like throw-ins, automated offsides. Uh, a stop clock even so that the referee knows exactly how much time has been played in play. So Everett came out with the stat that 49 minutes the ball was in play of 100 minutes of football on Tuesday night, which is less than half. And it, it certainly borders the worst cases that they've seen in the Premier League, which is unfortunately the only level where they do time ball in play. So we got get the stats for, for Premier League football and it it's it's one of the worst cases. It would be a it would be a bad case in Premier League football. Um whether or not it is in League One is a different matter. I'd love to know if anybody out there does just just happens to time a ball in play in League One football, please do let me know. But would you would you welcome I mean, a shot clock seems a bit extreme, but is there is there any way you'd like to see it it's stamped out, time wasting? Um, yeah, of course. Like, you know, I think, I mean, making it like sixty minute matches or whatever, I, I don't want to see that. I think they, they, for some reason people want to change football, whether it be a, 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 like stuff like that, whether it be the way tournaments are and all of that. I just think it's fine as it is. Just let's enjoy it. But, um, and bring the back you know, pass back as well, by the way. <laughs> and bring the back pass back. But um, but uh, no, I, I just think that you know it's 
it's it's frustrating to watch and it's boring to watch. And, and at the end of the day, it is an entertainment. And I, and I get that, like Ian ever alluded to there, you know, managers are trying to save the jobs. So if they can if they can go, make sure the ball's only in play for half the match and get a one one draw at Bolton or a one nil win, he's do, he's done his job. Mm. So it doesn't matter to him. But as a fan, even if we're uh, winning, even if we're losing. At the end of the day, I'm paying money to watch a football match. I'm not paying money to watch uh, someone on, who's on the floor for the fifth time. I'm not playing money. And to be fair, Bolton do take the time over throwing. So there are times where I get frustrated with that. But on the whole, um, yeah, you, you don't. I don't want to see the ball in play for 49 minutes. I want to see it in play for 80. You know, you want to see a football match. Yeah, yeah. Well, Bolton take time just doing corners nowadays. They have to line up a single file at the back post like a <laughs> primary school class, don't they? Um, anyway, yeah. right, go on, let's move on. Let's move on while I still can. Uh, yeah, well, uh, Bob Barson was the hero the other night and he's uh, he's done himself some good with Bolton fans by calling us the best in the world. Oh, well, we, well but, but we knew that, didn't we? That's just fact. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he was absolutely delighted. That, I mean, he virtually floated up the stairs on Tuesday night. And like I say before, he was he was so down against Accrington. Um, certainly I was lost for words a little bit um, in the press room when he came up to speak to us on Tuesday. And he just said, basically, that, that Bolton fans had helped him through the, the whole week, really, because he was expecting a bit of a backlash potentially after uh, missing a few chances against Accrington not playing so well and obviously it hasn't been a goal-filled season for him yet he's had a couple of fitness issues so I think he was expecting a bit worse but actually he, he was telling us that he's he's been given a lot of support from Bolton fans he's seen around the town the manager has been great uh, I think he talked about having uh, cl- uh, collated clips of his best bits if you will like Big Brother um, he kind of his best bits set set to music, which I mean, if it's not uh, journeys, don't stop believing. I'd, I'd show my backside in Burton's window, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure um, it'll be motivational music, um, and that's all helped to keep him up. And he said, and that's that's what got me in the right mindset for the Burton game, and obviously he he made a massive massive impact. But he does seem to, and, and Icelanders just seem to get Bolton. We've said that before, but it does seem that since Jan has turned up. He's not only said the right thing, but he's acted the right way as well. He just seems to be a really all-round good guy. Yeah, uh, and I think that's what fans appreciate. You know, they appreciate um, someone who shows the face in the town, someone who is um, approachable. You know, I remember that video at the end of last season where he was playing, uh, as he walked out the the stadium after a match, he was playing football with a little girl and, you know, Mm. just little stuff like that that the fans see and appreciate. And I think then if you are struggling, then um, you do get that extra bit of, you do get that extra bit of support from the the fans. But yeah, he's he's become a cult hero, uh, Bod Vars. And I've got to say, and I said it on the podcast last year, well, out of all the signings that we made, in um, uh, in January, I was probably the most underwhelmed with him. Uh, yeah, he's, he quickly became one of my favourite players, and I think that's the same with a lot of the fans. Fair enough. Should we have another headline? Uh, yeah. So uh, and again, Connor Bradley. He's he's they're all the the PR of the players is uh, is in overdrive. Connor Bradley has said he may have played at the San Siro, but the Bolton's win against Burton in the last minute was the most favourite moment of his career so far. 
Yeah, they're bringing out all the hits this week, aren't they? It's uh, it's like the greatest hits tour for uh, for Bolton Wanderers. Uh, Bradley, again, we got to speak to him on Wednesday. He came up to see us after training and uh, sat and had a good chat about all sorts of stuff. Um, really nice young lad. He's quite a, an unassuming type. He's he's not he's not especially forward, so you kind of have to work quite hard to to get him chatting. But once you get him chatting, he's he's fantastic. And uh, he said, you know, he was. He was absolutely taken aback by the atmosphere and, and by the whole whole drama of Tuesday night. And he said it was just the best moment of my footballing career, which I then reminded him. I said, you played for your country in the European Championships and you've been to San Siro and you've played for Liverpool at Anfield in front of the cop. And he's like, yeah, but at the minute, that's, that's where it is. It was just such a great night. And yeah, I think, again, you, you mentioned Bob Varson there having having taken to, to, to Bolton fans and I think Bradley's been the same and, and his has been very much geared because of the performances on the pitch. You cannot help but like that. I think on Tuesday nights he was by far and away the best starter uh, of, of the eleven that started for Bolton. Always looking to be positive on the ball. Uh, and it's great to great to see him back. Um, we did talk about his suspension. He was there at Accrington to cheer on the lads, even though he was suspended. He absolutely hated being suspended, but he said he's not going to change his game at all. Mm. And uh, and he said he just feels like a Bolton player at the minute. So it's 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 lovely to hear. Yeah, it's um, yeah, he's great. It's uh, he's he's. I think he started the season really well. He got his few goals. I think there's a, a few. Uh, a few chances that uh, you know, and in the one leading to the corner where he's uh, <laughs> he could have put, possibly yeah. put away, yeah, but um, but no, I think overall he's a very attack minding player. I think defensively he's 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 done quite well as well. Um, so yeah, long may it continue, and hopefully he can get his goal again on uh, on Saturday. Mm, definitely, definitely. Like you say, with sometimes with wing backs. Particularly ones that you you loud in that they're attacking things a bit like Declan John. I think we 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 realise that he's very effective going forward, but sometimes you could say yeah, but I don't think you can with Connor Bradley. He's just a class act. Yeah, he is. He's a top top player. He's going to be a top top player um, in his career. We can see that already, and uh, hopefully we can play that little bit of a part in that, like we did with Jack Wilshire and a mm. few others. You know, but. Um, Right, the next story is about, uh, it goes back to Saturday. And it was quite an interesting one, this, because in John Coleman's interview after the game, he was very complimentary to, to Bolton and said, we deserve to win the game. Mm. However, then uh, there was a caveat in that about calling a Bolton player who he didn't name particularly, but we, we have a feeling it's Dapo Afalayan, uh, a cheat. So uh, you were there. How do you see it? Did you notice the incident? Did you think Dapo was... Uh, was cheating a little bit, or, and is this also uh, ironic? Considering that I'm sure a few Accrington players were doing something similar. It's definitely ironic. Definitely ironic. I will say that, that John Coleman. It was a bit of an interview of two halves. He was very complimentary about Bolton, and he did uh, basically say that had after the second goal, you know, Bolton were all over him, and, and that was very, very true. He, he was the one that actually coughed up and said, I called a Bolton player a cheat as well because somebody asked him about why he got booked uh, by the referee. Um, the referee who I thought was excellent on the day as well, I'm at. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, and he said it was a cheat. I don't know that it was Aflion, if I'm honest. Uh, there were a couple of stoppages when Bolton were back in the game um, and certainly 3-2 up because there was, there was quite a bit of time, actually, wasn't there? It was about 10 minutes or so before the end of the game. 
and as you say, Bob were trying to slow things down a little bit. There was a, a little bit of uh, needle going on, which mm-hmm. I willfully looked past and won't be mentioning in my match reports. Um, but it's it, again, you know, I suppose if it, unless you go overboard, it can be classified as gamesmanship. I don't think what Burton did on on Tuesday night was was gamesmanship. It was just well over the top. I think you know, just the, the odd. The odd bit here and there, and I'm not too sure you can call somebody a cheat for it. I don't. I, I, I'd love to know exactly what his rationale was for cheat because that seems a bit strong. Yeah, um, I think the the thing with Dapo, and, and actually this is what we'd love about Dapo. This I love is it. The Dapo. Yeah. yeah, this is what we started seeing last season. We want to see more of is that um, the way he plays does mean that he is um, this this he's going to be fouled quite a lot. Mm. And I've got to say as well, there was one, I think it was in the first half where I can't remember who the player was called for Accrington. Might have been the number two or number seven, but he got booked, but he was very lucky to stay on the pitch. From the camera angle we got, he's, he's, it did look like he was on his ankle uh, and Dapo went down and, uh, I, you know, I just think, yeah, it's it's what it is. It's you know we love Dapo for it, but genuinely, I know I'm, I'm looking at it with rose tinted specs. But like, you do think some of the challenges that go in on him, it's not surprising that he is he is on the floor. You know, he, I think he is harshly treated from defenders across this across this league. Yeah, it's a strange one actually because the referee did have a very good game, so I'm not going to criticise him for anything on on Saturday particularly. But you do see, particularly early on, first half an hour, that Dapo gets chopped down left, right, and centre. The player you were referring to there was Mitch Clark, number two, um, and I agree with you. I think it was a bad challenge, but you tend to find that in the first half an hour of games, that referees are very reticent to bring the yellow card out. And we had this conversation actually on Wednesday about the way that that time timekeeping is 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 changed from first half to second half. If you time waste as Burton did in the first half, you get away with it. You, nobody ever mm. plays seven or eight minutes of added time unless it's been a major injury in the first half. But in the second half, suddenly it seems to you know accrue and congregate. So if you if you knuckled down and said, right, no, we can't be having this sort of challenge or we can't be time-wasting by putting out a few yellow cards early on, then maybe it stops happening. Uh, you mm. obviously... I mean, <laughs> and also, I appreciate that then then we open up a whole kind of worms as, oh, well, the referee's, you know, showing his cards too early and then you start having people sent off. But actually, I think as a deterrent to these things that are creeping in more now, and I'm, I'm noticing it more, I think it, it's probably just gone a bit too much the other way. So I think that that maybe they do need to start bringing out a few yellow cards. Yeah, that's, an, that's a good point, actually, you make about the first half because there's sometimes where it goes on and then you see the board go up and it's like two minutes or one yeah. minute in the first. And it's like, where have you got that from? So, uh, yeah, I, I, it is very interesting. You, Yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, this has definitely been the theme of this podcast and it's... Um, and as we said, you know, I want to say you can't blame these teams for doing it. Because they're fighting in leagues where budgets are very different, but at the same time, you think, well, come on, it's it's the it is down to the referees. It's down to the referees and the fourth officials to stamp it out. And it's the same with Bolton as well. You see, if we're one nil up in the last minute and we start doing it, as great as it is, as it is to see, it should be equal, and you've got to expect to be booked and stuff. But um, I just think sometimes it's you know people get away with it and. Um, and 
you know, it's, it's what it is. It needs to be addressed. I don't think making 60-minute matches is the case, but it definitely is something that needs to be needs to be looked at and needs to be sorted. But we've seen it before, haven't we? There's so many things that come in at the start of the season. I'm sure it was this season they're going to cut down on time wasting. It just doesn't. It, they do it until September and then it gets forgotten about. Yeah, remember when shirt pulling was a thing and everybody was getting penalties given against them for shirt pulling in the penalty area. If, if you look at any Bolton Wanderers corner at the moment, it is an absolute Royal Rumble in there. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, but, it's become ridiculous. It's a Royal Rumble, which the referees just... I, sometimes, this annoys me as well, sometimes it's as if it's the easy way out. We just give a free kick against mm-hmm. the attacking team. Mm-hmm. There's so many times where we have free kicks against us in that when it's it's it's... It's probably both teams, but the defenders are definitely doing it as well. And I think the referee looks and goes, well, I've got to give some... I don't want to give a penalty because then it's uh, it gets scrutinised. So I'll just give a free kick. But, you know, it's so frustrating. Anyway, let's move on. Um, Dapo Afalayan, he played at wing-back. It was the talking point of the game, uh, before the game against Accrington and in between the Accrington and Burton games, whether we should play... Um, what you know? What formation we should play? Whether Dapo should be wing back? He's he's been there for two games now. How do you think he's done? Well, first of all, don't call him a wing back. Don't call him a wing back. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yes, yeah, sorry, sorry. Well, I mean, we we said to Dapo after the game against Accrington, "What do you think to wing back?" And he said, "Oh no, it's great. It's no problem at all." He said, "I've I've actually played there before, which took me by surprise. I can't remember when he played wing back. It may well be an in-game change that I've just not noticed, but." Um, he said he was fine. He said it's good to learn new positions. It's nice to, to have something different to think about. Um, but I think probably uh, probably shaped by some of the criticism that's come his way, Ian Everett had his say on Wednesday and, and said basically that it's not fair to call him wing-back because actually we change so often. It's, it's basically just trying to get him in areas on the ball. And whether he plays as a wing-back or whether he plays up front in a, on a left-hand side of a 4-3-3, it, it can be within the same game. So why should he be pigeonholed as being some a wing-back as opposed to a winger or an attacker? He's just on the left-hand side. Um, he said also that the wing-backs in this team are not exactly wing-backs. They're more kind of a hybrid uh, winger anyway. So I don't know. We're going to have to come up with a new name for it. Maybe maybe the Buff listeners can tell us uh, what position we can call Dapo <laughs> Lion. Mm-hmm. Not sure, but either way, it's it's fair to say he's had a, a bit of a, a bit of a stop-start week because against Accrington, first half playing in the position we cannot name, he was uh, it was okay. I thought I thought he, a couple of times he, he got a bit of space to run at people, but the ball didn't get to him enough, and, and that's the fault of the team, I suppose, trying to get the ball to, to the man that Everett had brought in who felt he could influence the game. Second half, as I mentioned before, Accrington seemed to drop off a little bit and he had more space to operate. Bolton also managed to get the ball to him more and he had much more of an influence on the game. You then fast forward to Tuesday. He was playing in roughly the same area that he started. Burton dropped off miles. They had all sorts of space to, to go up, but actually Dapo wasn't effective. Didn't have a great game. Didn't re- he had a couple of chances first half? Maybe that'd have been different if one of those went in. But yeah, it was it was pretty so so all in all, and and he ended up he ended up being substituted as well. So whether you call him a wing back or not, I think consistency still needs to be found. Yeah, definitely. I am glad to see that he's getting a run of games, and I think the the performance in the second half against Accrington 
um, showed that he he's still one of our better players. Definitely, yeah. um, and he can make an impact. And I think for me, I would like to continue to see him play, especially on Saturday. Um, and he is someone who can unlock that. You know, when we need it, we need the and when we are at home, when we are playing against these sort of teams, I know it didn't happen for him on Tuesday, but like you said, he had a few chances. If one of those goes in and it's a different conversation, but um, no, I definitely think that he, he's someone that if, when we get him on the ball and, and I think, you know, he's, he's probably still learning the position. You could probably, you could possibly argue it was him or Johnston at fault for the first, Accrington's first goal the other night. So defensively, Maybe away from home, it's not a position that he plays. Whereas at home, when we're more on the front foot, maybe it is. But, um, you know, he's still learning it. But for me, I think I can understand why Ian Everett has tried to transition him into this striker. But for me, he's a, he's a winger and he, that's where he's most effective. So if he's mm. if the only answer is for him to play wing back, then I'm I'm happy for that. I think as an intelligent player... He is, you know, he he could just go out there and just play where he likes. He could almost have that kind of free role and and just fill in and, and see where the space is and see where where he can affect games. And maybe that's maybe that's what they're trying to to get into him. So we shall see. We shall see. Mm. Um, right. Let's have one more headline. Yeah. Well, this is uh, on the back of the other night actually. And Ian Ever is, um, you know, he praised the fans for saying eventually we stuck with them, but he he would like to see us. Um, get that energy a bit sooner in the match. I mean, we've had this discussion before. I think we've had it a few times of the sort of, well, does it do, do fans need to turn up and be on it from minute one? Does it re- reflect what's going on on the pitch? I mean, where do you stand with this? Do you agree with him or do you think he's uh, he's been a bit harsh on the, the fans? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think it was it was a, a, a comment that was meant to be harsh. I think he was, he was very praiseworthy. He said, basically, the fans pulled us on as as far as the the Burton game, it was that kind of massive reaction to the uh, the goal that got them going for the for the second one. In fact, he said apparently, uh, and I didn't catch this at the time because I was too busy banging my head against the laptop. But when Bakayoko scored the equaliser, he ran off to celebrate on his own, and all the other lads ran back to the halfway line, grabbed the ball out the back of the net, and they're shouting, "Oi, Baka, get back here! Stop, yeah, cel- stop celebrating!" Fun. I didn't see that. <laughs> Um, so that was marvellous. But yeah, I, I think what he said is is that actually if, if the tempo can be picked up earlier on, both by the team and the fans, that that will help. And, and it, maybe it's a challenge for the fans. Maybe you look at Saturday, there's going to be a decent crowd against Oxford. There should be a decent number of away fans as well. It's going to be a decent atmosphere. So yeah, go on, bring it on, make it as loud as possible, make it that sort of cauldron of noise. And it can be, and we've seen that before, when the right, the mood is right, that place can be absolutely rocking from minute one. Um, I do think sometimes this season, and, and maybe a little last season, it's it's almost a kind of a Roman Colosseum, you know, entertainers thing. And then once the entertainment comes around, then the atmosphere fills in. It's it's kind of it's quite there's been a lot of people there, but it's been quite quiet early on, mm. um, and and I thought on Tuesday night Bolton didn't help themselves by playing quite slowly after the first ten minutes. The temp the tempo dropped right off the game, and so did the atmosphere. So yeah, I think it's they go hand in hand, they go hand in hand. But I think both the team and the fans can do a bit more to to egg, egg each other on, if you will. 
Yeah, no, I, I definitely, um, yeah, I would agree with that. I think it, it does come hand in hand. I think sometimes fans can get, uh, yeah, they do get praise, but sometimes, you know, managers can get a bit, um, def- you know, defensive and say, well, the crowd are quiet or whatever. But, um, you know, I think it does come hand in hand. I think Bolton fans, we've proven over the last few years, especially in Ian Everett's time at the club, that when it's when we need to encourage the team, and I think it does reflect on the pitch when a team like Burton is there and, and being frustrated. The fans get frustrated, but then they, they get behind the players. Yeah, you know when they can see, you know them attacking. When they can see that they're trying, then fans will get behind them. So we'll have to see on Saturday. Well, it's um, you know you'd like to think. I I know I've seen a uh, a tweet from someone who was at the Portsmouth Foxford game the other night saying that they were on the for Oxford were pulling similar tricks to what. Uh, Burton were so um, you know whether it is we're in I would expect a bit more from Oxford than Burton I've got to admit uh, in terms of yeah in terms of playing football so hopefully it won't be the case but if it is then yeah you've got to um, we've got to try and get them over the line and uh, again and, and try and get a win because this is the thing in this league as we've seen you know I know Sheffield Wednesday drew uh on Wednesday, but everyone else won. So you can't be slipping up. You, you've got to win every game. We're going to stick where we are and try and get promoted. We've got to win every game. So the fans helping that as well. They've got to really be on it. Right. Bumper, bumper pack of headlines there. Uh, let's have a little bit of post. Is that Philip Moresh? The Phil Moraes postbag is open. We've got a couple of them, so I'll, I'll crack on. I'll crack on. Um, dear Mark and Henry, this one's from Darren. My son, Alfie, and I really enjoy listening to the podcast on our way to games. Travelling from, here's a Welsh pronunciation, Deganwy, I want to say, in North Wales for most of the home games and some of them away from home as well. Alfie is 12 at the minute and would love to work in the media when he finishes school. What I'd like to know is how much homework you guys do in preparation for a match on a Saturday or when you record the Buff podcast. I tried to tell him that even covering football for a living is going to be hard work, but you two make it sound like an enjoyable profession. That's from Darren. Um, yes, Henry. Henry, how much how much homework do you do? <laughs> uh, right, well, for this podcast, uh, I leave it all to you. Um, so I've got to say that for the other podcasts I work on in my actual job, uh, yeah, there is quite a lot of uh, prep that goes into it because, as they say, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. So mm-hmm. uh, you would rather have more prep and not use it than uh, not as much and um, and have to, to rabble on. Like, I mean, it may seem like we do that on this podcast, but we don't. <laughs> Um, so, it's by yeah. design. It's by design. The, 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 the waffle is by design on this podcast, I think. It yeah. is. But, but I think for you, like, I mean, the majority of this podcast is basically goes hand in hand with your day job. You yeah. know, like, you've done all the stories, you've been to the matches, uh, done the match reports, spoken to the manager. So I guess in terms of uh, actual minutes preparing, it's it's. You do you do the vast majority and send me a a sheet of things to talk about and that's what we do. But um, yeah, it's uh, tell him that yeah you can't if you want to get into the media you've got to you've got to over prepare because 
uh, when you don't prepare, it, it, you do sound stupid. No question. No question. I think some of the best commentators I've worked with, uh, and and this isn't a slight on Jack Theodon at all. I don't think he's I don't think he's one for homework too much homework. He does a bit, but in terms of the, the number of commentators I've worked with, people like Derek and uh, a lad called Mike Wally, I used to know came came out with absolute stats aplenty, and they do a lot of homework just in case, just in case Jack's Jack's. God bless him. Is fantastic at just waffling. Anyway, <laughs> he wouldn't. He wouldn't have to make a note in his entire life and still fill half an hour. Um, but he's. He's. They're really, really, really well prepared. And I tend to do a little bit of that myself before a game, so that I know roughly who's in form for an opposition, what sort of shape they are, what the numbers are, that kind of stuff. Um, I don't go overboard, but just so that I don't look completely stupid, because all that all my work is is basically filed on the whistle so i don't really have too much time during a game to sit there on soccer base or or what have you and, and, and check out stats so i have to have them at, uh, at hand uh, but as henry says you know the podcast is is basically the week that the week that was we've we've lived it that was basically our prep so i just sit down on a wednesday night i make out some notes and basically structure the podcast if there's going to be anything clever or fiddly then I'll uh, I'll have a mess about with that at that point in time, but it's all pretty easy, isn't it? Yeah, it's a it's a nice way for me to spend the Thursday afternoon, and then you have to go away and edit it as well. Which again, for the other podcasts I work on, takes a lot of time. So it's not only it's not only stuff there before; it's yes. also stuff after. So I appreciate that you do that for this podcast. Oh because, God, I wish uh, I, I wish somebody did yeah. that, that for me. It'd be lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, anyway, second email. Um, I hope that helps, Alfie. If there's anything more technical that you need, uh, by the way, just get your dad to email it and I'll, I'll have a chat with him. Um, hello, guys. Uh, podcast listener from episode one here. This is Mick G. Um, it seems like every week we are getting a new prime minister. Uh, I wanted to see which current or ex-Bolton player or manager you think would make the best leader for this country. I'm going for Sam Allardyce, he said, before you guys do. He'd take us back into Europe, but I'd always be worried we couldn't give him enough money and he'd end up going to Qatar. Uh, his parties would be much better than Boris's, though, he says. Keep up the great work. Um, <laughs> yes, I think my first reach would have been Big Sam on that one. Um, I'm trying to think. Best Prime Minister. Best Prime Minister. What sort of, char what sort of characteristics do you need? to be a great prime minister basically the antithesis of everything that's been for the last how many years seven years or so really uh mm. so what do you need you need integrity you need honesty uh you need uh, per personality you need humility um i'm going gary kale i'm going gary kale yeah. what a great prime minister he'd be perfect oh yeah. kevin, da kevin davis you wouldn't mess with him either no, you wouldn't. I think, yeah, Kevin Davis has certainly got a, uh, that element of respect uh, about him. Uh, Big Sam was my first thought, but then, um, yeah, Big Sam's more of a Winston Churchill kind of, we'll fight them on the beaches kind of yeah. uh, uh, Prime Minister. Um, yeah, what an interesting question. Um, I'll tell you who wouldn't what? be great. And, you know, I, I think there's an echo of Boris Johnson about him, but Keith Hill... Can you imagine some of them press conferences? Goodness me. Yeah, Prime Minister's questions. They'd be talking about onions. and um, Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm trying to think of, of players like captains. that uh, Goodney Bergson. Goodney oh, Bergson. There you go. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There's my answer, Goodney. 
Godney would be a fantastic one. Yes, definitely. Uh, with uh, with Yondani Bodvarsson would be able to uh, to tuck in as as uh, as one of the uh, the cabinet members as well. I think he's got a, a bright future in uh, football politics as well. I think he'd be, I think he'd be great. Actually. So we've we've sorted out Iceland's government. <laughs> That's <laughs> what this podcast's all about. <laughs> if, uh, if if you want to get your Icelandic politics in any other podcast, then please go ahead. Uh, right? Okay. Well, we'll we'll go with um, we'll go with that. Uh, do you want to play a game with no name? <laughs> go on then. Tune that dial to the Buff FM. Um, yes, we've not actually got a name for this, but we have had a suggestion because uh, it was on the PS of Darren's email earlier. Um, he reckons this game should be called Nicky Hint. Yeah. Nicky Hint, yeah. uh, which is a nice uh, play on words. But, you know, we, we are open to suggestion, it's fair to say. Um, and we're not entirely sure whether this is actually going to last any longer because we did ask for people to send in some suggestions. We got four or five. A couple of them were a bit... I just couldn't do anything with them, um, but we have managed to sort some out for you, Henry. So just in case you didn't catch last week's show, then uh, the rules are thus. Um, I've got to describe a goal, obviously from a Bolton Wanderers game, without using the names of the players or the teams involved or the stadium where they're playing. So there's no obvious things in there. It's very, very vague. Uh, so yes, we uh, we we asked people to send in a few of those, and we did get a couple of decent ones. So I'll, I'll read them out to you, Henry. See if you can get them. Gladiators, are you ready? Yes. Okay. So this one's from Howard, um, and the clue is thus: the little lad from Whitefield scampers down the left wing. His marker doesn't know what to do. He stands across up to the far post where a Scotsman rises like a salmon defying gravity and it's in. The FA Cup holders are a goal down. Um, well, it's, it's from the Liverpool game. Of course. Uh, I'm presuming McGinley, but could it be Walker? One of, it's one of them. It could, it could be either. I suppose if they were a goal down, then it would be McGinley scored the first one, didn't he? So I, sh- I assume it would be McGinley. Uh, I haven't copied the answer across. In fact, I'm not even sure he gave him the answer. I'm going to just assume it's a McGinley. Right, okay. <laughs> you're, right, you're right there. That's fine. But, but good. I liked the little lad from Whitefield. Uh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's right. yeah. Um, and uh, his marker doesn't know what to do. Mike Marsh, of course, famously uh, nearly retired Mike Marsh that night. David Lee did. Um, hmm. Right. Uh, this one's from Chris. OK, this one's this one's quite complicated. OK. Out on the left wing, the number 19 looks like he'll eventually cost a lot of money. Shame he's only on loan. He shifts the ball to the middle of the park where a young, injury-played midfielder starts a flowing move involving four passes and three other players. Three seconds later, the ball's in the net and a future manager playing at centre-back has his hands on his hips. Oh, I know this one. Uh, the number 19, who will soon be worth a lot of money, is Rodrigo Moreira. Uh, Rodri- yeah, yeah that's the one. Uh, Unfortunately, the the uh, midfielder who is injury prone is Mark Davis. The manager is Ian Ever. It's Bolton two, Blackpool two, uh, in whatever it was, twenty eleven, twenty ten. What a goal that was! What a goal! Yeah, what a goal! I must I must watch that one back again. It's been a while. Um, the third one, the final one, uh, is from our buff poet laureate who prefers not to be named. Um, and we haven't heard from him in a while, so please do get in touch with some of your poems. I did like them. We've we've lost the culture, I think, from the end of the show. You know, we we, we 
gone low brow again. Hmm. Uh, but uh, I did like uh, I did quite like the fact we can cross over onto this one. But here we go. Let's see if you let's see if you can guess this goal. Okay, I need to get my poem poem head on now. Um, decked out in white, the ball takes flight from a throw in on the left. One bounce, then flick, then head, then trick. His juggling quite deft. Then out of the blue, he swivels true, leaves lesser men stood still. And with one shot, a goal is got, the ultimate in skill. How about that? That was, that was, I mean, it's, it's, I'm assuming it's Frank Worthington, but uh, what a, that was brilliant. I mean, if only, we should have, I mean, it might be about a bit hard to do it live, but if we should have, maybe for the highlights, a poet commentator. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it would be quite hard. You'd just be freestyle rapping over the entire uh, the entire game. It would be nigh on impossible. But yes, uh, and I love that. That was that was really good. That was really good. Yes, it was Frank Worthington. Of course, it was Frank Worthington in that wonderful goal against Ipswich. Three out of three again, Henry. I only fear that this is a very difficult game if you try to go beyond the classics. But um, we shall see. Our email is still open for clues. If you want to give that a go. Or if you get a name for this game, or indeed if you've got anything else to email us. So here's how to get in touch. So you want to bring something up on the buff? Email Mark and Henry on the buffmail at gmail.com. That's T H E B U F M A I L, all one word, at gmail.com. And sorry to the male escort who probably getting some unsolicited Bolton Wanderers correspondence from the people who spell that incorrectly. Very, very quick mention for the Buff Fantasy Football League. It's time for the Buff Fantasy League. Yes, it's the Fantasy League. Fantasy League. No, we don't have to. No, we do. We do. We do. It's it's in the contract. Um, yeah, I have to admit, well, when we when we started doing this fantasy league, that I'd hoped it would provide a little bit more competition. I, I would, I was hoping maybe that uh, there could be a bit of a challenge between you and I. But we are what, fourteen game weeks in now, and my team, Quick Quixotic Habitude, is up to twenty seventh. Whilst your team, Cucurella Deville, is stagnating. It's it's festering. It's 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 decomposing. Um, down in two hundred and twenty second. Um, I mean, you got oh, yeah, and, you know. Yeah, the the problem is, and I know people are looking. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I actually do quite well normally at fantasy football. I, honestly, this season, I don't. I, I'm not doing anything differently. I check it most. Well, most weeks, apart from last week. But um, yeah, I, I don't know what's happening. I've I've been given a vote of confidence though by the Cucurella Deville board, so I'm hoping <laughs> uh, that won't be the kiss of death, and I can rise up the table. Yeah, you're like you're really Brendan Rodgers in it at the moment. Uh, fifty nine points this week for you. I got seventy nine, and I didn't even captain Harland. No, I forgot to I change did. my captain. So there we go. You see, it's uh, it's one of them. Um, so yeah, I mean, he might be out this week actually. So we kind of have a big decision to make. Who would you have as captain in the absence of Harland? Uh, I'd probably stick with Harry Kane. I've, yeah. I, I've kind of got a. I, I mean, my strike force: Kane, Harland, and Jesus. Why am I near the bottom? That's a great strike force. 
Jesus hasn't scored actually for a while. I might have to drop him, but then I'll drop him and he'll start scoring. It's that Gerald Sid you've got at centre half is the major issue, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, I I don't know why he's on the game. He's, I don't know why, but you know he's only worth fifty p, so it saves me money. Uh, Phil Bailey is our new leader. His team, Fat Fighters, uh, at the top. Uh, Max Sefton's Maximum Drama have been up there pretty much all season. They've dropped into second. And another new name, Regan Rushton's Ha Ha Harland. Actually, there may be one more Ha. It's Ha Ha Ha. Ha Harland. There's only two Ha's. Um, and uh, then Sam Warburton. Oh, this is great. Sam Warburton's The Upper Crust. Nice. It's a lovely bit of punnery. Um, he's in fourth. So it's actually quite tight up there. So it's much more interesting up the top. But I'm going to be joining them soon. I'm on the first page. I don't even have to scroll down the pages to see where my team is anymore. It's great. Yeah, my uh, my fingers getting tired. I'm <laughs> to scroll down to mine. <laughs> right. There's much more important stuff to be played this weekend uh, in League One. So let's have some predictions. Pass us me crystal ball. What's happening next week? Prediction time. Yeah, it's getting to that stage where I think prediction time shouldn't just be uh, Bolton and looking at the Bolton game, but actually having a look around, seeing what else is happening in League One, because we have got plenty to talk about this week. Um, and up the top of the league, there's some really big games. Plymouth Argyle at home to Exeter City, the old Devon Derby on Monday night. Plymouth obviously leading the table. Exeter are the ones that just underneath the playoff place. So that's the gap. That's the five-point gap that Bolton have got at the minute. Um, Charlton are around there as well, and they've got Ipswich at home. So there's the chance. If Bolton could win this weekend, that five-point gap could be extended. Yeah, well, this is the thing now, is that um, the teams that are... The teams that are kind of... In that position of just below the playoffs, you're looking at the likes of Barnsley's and Charlton's and Exeter's and Derby's. None of them are, are being consistent. Mm. You know, Shrewsbury got a run of games where they were winning and then they've they've dropped off a little bit. So I think for Bolton, now we're in this position, if we can just keep on, uh, you know, winning regularly, go on runs and, and stuff, we can then, you, you do get the, the gap then to seventh uh, and you, you're more looking up than... than uh, down so um, yeah it is a big we always said October would be a big month it didn't start great and we were worried for a bit but if we can win on Saturday and end the month you know potentially six potentially more points uh, ahead of the the seventh then it's certainly been a good month for us definitely I, I saw the BWFC analysis Twitter account put out a chart of Coloured lines for automatic promotion, the kind of line of best fit type of thing. And, and Bolton at the minute ticking along at 1.8 points per game, which is slightly below automatic promotion pace. But if you can carry that on, and that that's probably what we need to, to keep up as far as getting a guaranteed top six spot. Um, and 1.8 points per game is roughly kind of two wins out of every three. Um it's it's not not it's not easy, but it does mean that you're not going to be winning every game. So there there has to be a little bit of realization that this isn't going to be a a season of six seven wins at a time. I don't think so. 
Who knows? Who knows? Uh, just looking elsewhere that the Sheffield Wednesday have got Burton at home, so they might want to kick off now. Um, if they're <laughs> going to do that, might get finished by uh, Saturday evening then. You never know. Um, you've got Peterborough United and Cambridge. That's another local one, isn't it? Uh, Bolton have got Cambridge coming up as well, so that'll be an interesting one. Uh, Pompey against Shrewsbury have been going pretty well. And Barnes, Barnsley, Barnsley, you're, the team close to your heart, Henry, are at home to Forest Green. I bet they absolutely love vegans at Oakwell. Oh, yeah, you can uh, yeah, you can imagine that they like, you know, Barnsley as a town is the most welcoming of places for different people. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm sure they are. But um, it's funny you said about, uh, you know, that Portsmouth game there, because I've noticed but we're above Portsmouth now, aren't we? Mm, they've, mm. they've really dropped off and... Uh, you know, normally they drop off a lot later in the season to finish seventh. So they're doing that their annual drop off uh, earlier this year. But um, but again, they're another team that started well. They've I, I like their strike force with Colby Bishop, but mm. it's not happening for them. And you know, they're a similar team to Bolton. I think when it's not going well, I think the fans get on the manager's back. It's just a shame that we can't sh- schedule our. Uh, rearranged fixture for in the next few weeks. Yeah, it's a good shout actually. And Shrewsbury as well. I, I mean, I, I I don't I don't do any football betting or anything, but I, I quite fancy Shrewsbury. They're going quite well at the moment. Old uh, Aaron Wilbram's team um, doing mm. quite well there. Uh, so I quite fancy them down at uh, down at Pompey. Do us a favour, Shrewsbury. Um, but more importantly, Bolton Wanderers at home to Oxford. Oxford have been stuttering this season. They've disappointed me a bit. They have, yeah. You look at them and MK Dons and the Wickham. I know Wickham are higher in the table than both of them, but they're another mm. team that you'd probably expect a bit more from. So um, you'd possibly expect them to to pick up at some point. So if we can, they can get a win before they do that, then uh, that'll be great. Um, because yeah, they're definitely looking over the shoulder. And with MK Dons winning the other night, I think Oxford. I, well, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think they could possibly end the. Weekend in the relegation mm, zone if mm. they lose. So, yeah. No, Billy Bowden, he got sent off the other night and uh, they got a draw, didn't they? I think, was it? I can't remember, Charlton. But either way. Portsmouth. Or Portsmouth, yeah, yeah correct, yeah. correct. Uh, Billy Bowden's always been a good player against Bolton. He's going to be suspended. I think Matt Taylor's suspended as well. So they're struggling a bit on the, the striker front. Um, but let's have, a, let's have a little chat about the team then, a quick one about the team. Substitutions becoming increasingly important. So, in a way, starting 11s are becoming less important because you can just change it pretty much wholesale anyway. But uh, where where do you sit in the whole uh, three five two four three three start thing at home? Um. Yeah. Uh, Aha, I've thrown yeah. you a curveball right late. The latest curveball possible. I know this is the it's a it's a corner in the ninety eighth minute. This one, um, yeah, I, I I don't know to be honest. I really don't know. It's not something I I know people are talking about it, discussing it. It's not something I overly think about. Um, so you know, I I've, I see benefits for both. I um, you know the four three three is definitely exciting. Then you you've kind of fit Dapo in more. You could have I don't know Kachunga on the other mm. wing. I think. I think what is good for Bolton is we've got different options now. And you think, well, would Bodvarsson and Bakayoko, unless they replace Charles, aren't getting into a team that's 4-3-3 because they're not wingers. Mm. Um, but you could start with Afalayan and Kachunga and then if it's not working, change it to two up front. Um, I mean, what do you think? Or do you think that, is it 
Uh, do Bolton need a change, or uh, do you think stick? Because we are fifth. It's not like we're we bottom of the league. You know, we <laughs> we have been doing well under the the regular formation. Yeah, people forget that, don't they, I suppose. But no, I don't think he's going to rip up any sort of game plan. I know it hasn't necessarily been a smooth ride against Accrington and Burton, but I think physical shape will play a big part. Who's knackered from Tuesday night? Obviously, he played Kieran Lee. Uh, Kyle Dempsey's played two games in a row now, so you might expect a little bit of a change. I didn't think Aaron Bolley was brilliant against Burton. Um you know, maybe maybe needs to do a bit more to, to keep his place. But George Thomason certainly made a big difference um, on uh, the Accrington game. Not so much on Tuesday. It's very difficult team to pick. But as far as the shape goes, honestly, I sat there on Tuesday night trying to find out which shape they were doing. And they were changing it so often, I just abandoned it. I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think I care that much what shape they play. I really don't. Um, and all I just want to know that the 11 players on the pitch are actually in form. And I would say the only issue they've got there is probably up front with Dion not playing so well at the moment. You could argue that both Bakayoko and Bob Varson having come on affected Tuesday night's game may have a claim on a place up front now. I don't think Dapo was, was bad enough on Tuesday night to say that he doesn't deserve a place in the team. So whether that's up front or whether that's on the left side of anywhere, uh, mm. I'm happy with that. Um, and obviously, Bradley would be on the right hand side. So, uh, you know, whether they whether they play four three three or whether they play three five two, you can't always tell straight from the start anyway. And I think they change it so often that it doesn't really matter. I think we're just trying to talk ourselves in circles. Yeah, um, no, that is a you know that is a it's a point. But I mean, would you uh, looking at Sheehan who who came on uh, the other night and and helped change the game? Um, is it about time we threw Sheehan in, or do you think it's still a bit too soon? Well, it's a difficult one. Again, it comes down to that kind of physical data. They're going to see whether or not Tuesday took it out of Josh Sheehan. He didn't play for that long, so you'd hope that it hasn't. Um, but they will also see whether or not he can cope with 90 minutes. He is quite a slight lad. You wouldn't want him to... But then I don't think don't think Oxford, rather, are one of the more physical teams anyway. So I think maybe that's a decent shout. Um, we were saying the other day, actually, a couple of the, the journalists that cover Bolton, we were talking about... Uh, you know, Kieran Lee games. Which which games suit Kieran Lee? And now that Josh Sheehan is a, another option, whether or not Kieran Lee is seen as a, a, a the one that revolves with Kieran Lee, so that when Kieran Lee isn't playing, he can bring in uh, Josh Sheehan. Um, I hope so because I want to see more of Josh Sheehan. I think he offers he offers Bolton more creativity than even Kieran Lee. Um, mm. But I love, I, I do like watching both of them play. So I, I, I don't think they could both play in the same team. It might be a little bit kind of uh, lightweight, if you know what I mean. But um, certainly, Josh Sheehan, I think, has got has got a role to play at Bolton. Yeah, um, I, I've been impressed with because I thought he did quite well. He was one of our better players at the start of last year. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then. Uh, you know, unfortunately, got his injury, but I think since coming back, he's shown the same signs as what he was showing then, uh, which has given me confidence that he's going to remain to be a, a very good player for us. So, uh, yeah, I think it's it's. But we said last week it's difficult. Isgrove can he's going to come in sooner because of the position he plays. Whereas Sheehan, we've got a lot of centre midfielders at the moment. But I, I definitely think that 
he can be someone who, who makes that position his own or whatever he, he starts most games and then Lee kind of play, you know, they, they cherry pick the games for him or he comes on a sub. Um, I think that's a, when you've got Sheehan fully fit and with Kieran Lee as a, 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 a understudy, I think that's probably our strongest position on the pitch at the moment. Mm-hmm. Very young team as well the other night, by the way. The point that he never made. You had Aaron Morley, you had George Thomason, you know, uh, you had Conor Bradley, James Trafford, all all kids, effectively. Uh, so maybe, maybe they need that bit, bit of extra experience in there to... to to guide from the start, maybe? I don't know. But um, either way, one thing I will say is that last week we made our score predictions and I went for 3-2 at Accrington, which I, you know, uh, I'm quite proud of actually getting a score right after about three years of the podcast. Um, And then I said it was going to be a tight game against Burton and I know I said 1-0, but actually I was pretty accurate. Let's be be fair. Uh, This week, Henry, which score are you going to go for for the Oxford game? Um, I'm going to go with a two nil. I think we'll uh, it'll be a chilled game. We'll get a goal early on, and then um, we'll have the majority to play like we normally do. Don't score until the 80th minute, and it ends two nil. Right, so like a Lincoln City esque type of one. Um, yeah, I'm going to go for two one to Bolton, with Oxford taking the lead early on, and Bolton scoring midway through the second half, and then another late one to win it. There we go. More drama, more rewrites, more blood pressure tablets for me. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's just just life of Bolton Wanderers. They, they they never make anything easy. No, we never do. We never will do. It'll even even if we go on another run next year and get ninety eight points, one hundred goals, it will still be filled with one nils and two ones, last minute winners. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, that's I think wraps it up for this week Henry um, I hope you have a, a happy Halloween enjoy your trick and treating <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> I, I pretty much just sit in a darkened room and ignore the doorbell that's pretty much what I do um, yeah well I, I get involved I dress up as the scariest thing I can do which is uh, Gary Megson in a Bolton tracksuit so. <laughs> I'm going to go this year as uh, Dino Mamria uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I just need to find a way of shrinking my head. I've got, I'm not sure how I do that. Right, so uh, until next time then, uh, I've been Mark Tim's Scream Isles. I've been Henry Geffen Bones Hewitt. Yeah, I think you need to think again about that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this has been The Buff, and here's the Groovy Ghoulies. Real fun.